Welcome to SpongeBob's house party. Okay, Gary, get ready. It's almost eight o'clock. Here they come. Don't worry too much, Gary. It's only 10 seconds past eight o'clock. <gasps> no, it's 20 seconds past eight o'clock. Maybe nobody got their invitations. 30 seconds past eight o'clock. Oh, I'm doomed. No one's coming. <laughs> I'm the worst host ever. Ahoy, ladies, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the third season of SpongeBob SquarePants. Today's episode is Party Pooper Pants, and it is the 51st episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. This isn't a part one or part two. This is the 51st episode, a half-hour special, and in fact, SpongeBob's second-ever half-hour special. But... This is the first half-hour special that is not based off of a holiday. And when it was being advertised all over the United States, all over the world, this was not just party pooper pants. This was SpongeBob SquarePants' house party. SpongeBob's putting on a house party, and you're invited. And this party first premiered on May 17, 2002. It was written by Paul Tibbet, Kent Osborne, and Mark O'Hare, our storyboard artists are Caleb Muner, Carson Kugler, William Reese, and Mike Roth. Our storyboard directors are Paul Tibbet, Kent Osborne, and Walt Dorn during the song sequence of the episode. Our animation directors are Andrew Overtoom, and our creative director is Derek Dryman. SpongeBob SquarePants' House Party is one of my favorite episodes of SpongeBob, not just for the contents of the episode, but I just remember the promotion around this episode all over television. There were commercials on other networks for SpongeBob. There were cross promotions with stores. And, and of course, there was a big cross promotion with the fast food chain Wendy's with a, a whole toy line, which I feel like I remember as a kid being the first, if not one of the first, cross promotions with a fast food chain in SpongeBob SquarePants. I was one of those kids that... My decision on food came from the toy in the bag. It really, I did not have preference on McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's. I, I enjoyed all of them, but it really all depended on the toy that you were offering. And hey, Rugrats at Burger King, I'm there. SpongeBob at Wendy's, of course I'm there. And I did collect most of those toys, although just at the time that I had them and then over the years, they have gone by the wayside. But I, I don't think many of those old, you know, classic fast food toys are, are really too expensive. Maybe there's some rare ones, but I don't think the SpongeBob ones would be would be too hard to come across these days. But, you know, having a big special like this and all this promotion, you got to imagine a lot of people are going to tune out to this episode. And boy, did they tune out because 6.7 million viewers in the United States tuned in to SpongeBob throwing on his own house party. And that was a big number for SpongeBob SquarePants at the time. Now, it is not the current highest rated episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. That distinction goes to Atlantis SquarePantis, which... We will eventually get to in this podcast saga, but let's let's keep to the partying before we head all over to Atlantis there. Now, one quick note for listeners of this podcast. If you follow the audio feed of my show, then you would know that for the last year, there has been a This Week in Nickelodeon History release every single week alongside a release for I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. Now, that is not changing 
But where the episodes drop will change because after the 52nd episode airs on this audio feed, the This Week in Nickelodeon History podcast will become its own separate podcast with its own separate audio feed. For those of you that would, you know, like to just check out one or the other and not have to have them forced into one feed. If that was something you preferred, then I would like to point you to the YouTube channel of Captain Eric where all of the podcasts just pretty much get dumped on there. The audio podcasts with some extra video elements that, you know, maybe one day I'll be able to actually fully record this show when I when I get to you know, get more comfortable in a more stable studio. But for now, hey, this is the this is the the moment most of you have been waiting for the the separation of the two shows. But I, I wanted to not have episode you know fifteen or sixteen of this week in Nickelodeon history, and then they disappear. I wanted to show that there was a full calendar year of that show, and and then we can move on from that. Hey, if it caused the detriment of some uh, listeners to move on because there was just too much content coming out of this one show that was supposed to be Spongebob related, then I, I do apologize about the wait. And for those of you that have stayed through and or at least ignored it, hey, I appreciate you nonetheless. But yes, next week, there won't be a This Week in Nickelodeon History segment dropping. And this podcast will just go back to a once a week release schedule. Uh, not for me. I still got to make two podcasts a week. But hey, that is my cross to bear, not yours. Uh, other than if, if you feel like it's a slog listening through them. And if you do feel that way, I appreciate you if you're still here all this after all this time. But on to the partying here, which starts out with this pretty beautiful logo that for me brings so many nostalgic memories. Like I said, the the whole uh, advertisement buzz around this episode is is as much memorable for me as the episode itself. And when I see that original house party logo, it's not many times that you would get these out of episode logos that Nickelodeon would create to promote these half hour specials actually in the episodes themselves. So it was just a nice little touch, and the second this episode starts, and the second I see that house party logo, it's just a flood of emotions, all good emotions. I'm smiling from ear to ear right now. Even though I've seen this episode for, for 20 years, I, I can't help it. What can I say? Um, if you're like me, then you definitely fully remember the, the whole house party vibe, the, the promotion of this, and of course... Anything including Patchy the Pirate is as memorable as Spongebob himself. One thing to note in the beginning of this episode is there's this random still of Spongebob Squarepants that is on the screen for maybe a second, and it shows a very stylized image of Spongebob in a keep-on-truckin' pose, which if you, you don't know what that is, just Google the term keep-on-truckin' and look up the comic by Robert Crumb. It's a one-page comic. And it's, it's visual style and certainly the classic pose from this comic is, is being uh, drawn here for Spongebob. It's, it's one of those just real random moments that I think comes and goes so quickly that, I don't know, unless you showed somebody an image, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who would even remember this one specific moment of this episode. But even this time watching this episode, I had to pause to actually stare at this image and appreciate it a bit more. Um, and, and the fact that it just randomly shows up is just an extra little touch to, to this episode that it didn't need, but that I'm glad it's there. It's like having a, a perfectly built cake, a cake with the most perfect center and with perfect icing, and you, you could stop right there, but then you're like, you know what, I'm going to throw some, some strawberries on top of this. And I promise you, here on I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast, the cake is not a lie, so you don't have to worry about 
those kind of rumblings happening. But yeah, we, we have a, a special little SpongeBob SquarePants picture here, and that's because we're not starting off this episode in Bikini Bottom. No, 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 we are starting off this episode all the way from Encino, California, live and in person, ladies and gentlemen, Patchy the Pirate. Played, of course, by Tom Kenny, the voice actor of SpongeBob SquarePants. Patchy in this episode is throwing on his own house party because usually when Patchy shows up, it's during the SpongeBob SquarePants half hour specials and he's kind of there host for these big events. There's very few times that you see Patchy the pirate outside of a SpongeBob special. When you see Patchy, you just kind of know this is going to be a nice big SpongeBob special and it usually means a higher quality to some regard or at least. It used to, and I, I still think when Patchy shows up, it's still a pretty big deal, but I, I think the advent of the SpongeBob half-hour special has certainly dropped in popularity. There have just been so many of them over the years, so it might not feel as special to have a half-hour special, but at this time, oh my goodness, when Patchy showed up, it was everybody focused on the television. Stop what you're doing. It's Patchy the Pirate, SpongeBob SquarePants' number one fan and I'm, I'm not going to deny that because for obvious reasons, I, I mean, he's kind of proved it beyond a reasonable doubt that he is, in fact, SpongeBob SquarePants' biggest fan. He actually invited SpongeBob and seemingly Patrick to his party. He shows us this invitation to Patchy the Pirate's high seas shindig. You know, we notice some promises of cookies and cartoons, some games and explosions happening at his house, but we get this little animated segment where SpongeBob and Patrick, in fact, get their invitations. But the joke being that once the the ink of these invitations hit the water, it started smudging up, and now SpongeBob can't read the invitation to go to Patchy the Pirate's party. the The joke here being that they can't read it because of the ink and the water, but then both SpongeBob and Patrick throw the invitations into a lit fire. To just show that there is comedic instances in Spongebob where the idea of being underwater is just completely ignored for the sake of the story. Those are always wonderful. I love those moments. And this joke, by far, one of the best ones in this episode. Anytime they make reference to the fact that they're underwater and that there are things happening that shouldn't be happening, you're always going to get a bit of a rise out of me. It's, It's comedic gold there. I like that they don't overdo it. But whenever they make mention of it, it's always a, a crowd pleaser. Now, Patchy welcomes us to his house and also introduces us to a few of the guests attending his house party, first of which is a character by the name of Minnie Mermaid, played by Serena Irwin, uh, comedically in a tiny little kid's pool and mentions the fact that if she wasn't in the small amount of water that she's in, she would die. Uh, of course, that doesn't stop Patchy from accidentally poking a hole into the into the pool here, causing, you know, obviously the water to come out. Uh, next, we get Longbeard, uh, who is actually played by Paul Tibbet. Paul Tibbet, who we have mentioned on this show plenty of times, is a, a long-standing crew member of SpongeBob SquarePants. He has been a director, uh, a director of some of the live action segments, a producer, an executive producer, a writer, a songwriter, a storyboard director. He has done his fair share behind the scenes of SpongeBob, and here he is in live action form as Longbeard the Pirate. I think that's incredibly funny, and and especially being able to point out, you know, those people behind the scenes who might not get the same recognition as, you know, someone like Tom Kenny might. So it's always nice to be able to, to point those those crew members out who work so hard behind the scenes. 
especially Paul Tibbet, who has just done so much behind SpongeBob SquarePants. I, I like that he was able to get some sort of a live action role here on the show. Now, after Longbeard, we are introduced to another guest at Patchy's party here, King Neptune, all the way from the high seas himself. Now, this King Neptune looks completely different than any other King Neptune we have seen thus far. This is a live action King Neptune, and instead of being played by just one person, King Neptune is played by two people here. First of which is the physical representation of King Neptune, played by Sergio Risti, uh, an actor and musician based in Los Angeles who went on to play King Neptune here in this episode, but his voice is not that of Sergio Risti. His voice is given to us by Kevin Michael Richardson, one of the most prolific voice actors in the industry today. Kevin Michael Richardson is a part of some of the best shows that you can find on television. His voice is iconic. His voices are iconic. He has so much range for such a deep voice. And his portrayal of King Neptune here, although it's short, it is memorable. I have to say for the episode, I mean, especially when you're so used to seeing King Neptune in one way. And at this point at this airing, we'd only seen King Neptune in that first episode in season one. So this was the first time seeing him in live action. It was certainly a, a moment to behold. Although it doesn't sound like Patchy is uh, pretty impressed with King Neptune uh, being in his in his house. Although, you know, he's the one who invited him. So, I mean, maybe maybe King Neptune is one of those things that like a lot of people at the party won't show up unless Neptune shows up. Being that he's the king, obviously, he's probably going to have extra people show up with him. But at this point, looking around the party, this reminds Patchy about that one time that SpongeBob SquarePants himself put on a house party. And boy, wouldn't you like to know how that went, which is exactly what happens, because at this point is where Party Pooper Pants officially begins. Now, when the episode starts, SpongeBob is doing some grocery shopping inside of the Bargain Mart. I like the different signs that they have adorning the, the ceiling of the Bargain Mart that reads uh, free samples. There's apparently an area of free samples. There's a sign devoted strictly to Kelpo. Uh, there's, a, which I think is funny. Like I know Kelpo is pretty much a very popular uh, a cereal brand in Bikini Bottom, but the fact that it is so popular of a brand that they have a sign for it in the grocery store, like a massive sign, um, is kind of funny. It's not like a, an advertisement-like sign. It's literally a sign hanging up from the ceiling to advertise Kelpo in an area. It's like if you went to Walmart and one of the aisles just was devoted to Frosted Flakes. Like, instead of saying cereal, it just said Frosted Flakes. But this isn't really an aisle, although the sign is nowhere near where the, where the Kelpo is because the Kelpo is in the front of the screen, like it's in the foreground, and the Kelpo sign is all the way ab above some random cans, so I don't know if they have that in the right spot. There's an aisle seemingly devoted to Grog, which is, is pretty funny. Uh, for those of you that don't know, and I, I honestly didn't pull this up, but I'm going to pull it up right here live on the Squarecast. Uh, I just want to get the definition of grog. Uh, it is it's spirits, but originally considered rum, mixed with water. So it's, it's an alcoholic drink, um, or it's also crushed, unglazed pottery or brick used as an additive in plaster or clay. So there's something something new I didn't know about when it came to grog. So yeah, there's an entire aisle for uh for your alcoholic needs in uh in the bargain mart, and then right maybe an aisle two next to it there is an aisle devoted to spatulas seemingly because they got their big old spatula sign. Now that's really interesting because the bargain mart is one of the very first outside locations we saw in Bikini Bottom uh, outside of the Krusty Krab that is. 
Uh, and one of the items that SpongeBob was sent into the Bargain Mart for was, in fact, a spatula. So the fact that Bargain Mart advertises pretty much an entire aisle of spatulas is pretty cool. Another massive sign that we see while SpongeBob is running through the grocery store is a sign that says pickles. And where it's it's placed seemingly is is giving off the idea that an entire aisle here is just pickles. And I don't know about you, but if you are a pickle person, that is an enticing aisle that you would probably want to walk down. I, I, I love pickles myself, but I know that they are not for everybody. It's an acquired taste, but uh, I, I would certainly want to walk down the pickle aisle. SpongeBob is, for some reason, rushing through the store with a single can of food. I, I guess is some sort of personal record to himself because when he gets to the cashier, he you know marks off the time and says it's a new record. So it means he's been keeping track of this. Now, I, I don't know exactly what the time is for. Is it the time that he walks into the bargain mart? Does the time start from when he finds an item that he wants and then it's the run up to the cash register? I, I really don't know here, but we get one of these iconic moments in SpongeBob SquarePants at the hands of Lou, the cashier of the Bargain Mart, or also known as Incidental 39. Now, we will talk a bit more about the incidentals later on in this episode, but um, I do want to mention them here. The incidentals are literally every other fish that you see in the background of SpongeBob SquarePants or you see the Krusty Krab, the, the fish that just make up the society of Bikini Bottom. Most of them don't really have names associated with them. Some do. There are some that eventually get names officially in the show that kind of stick. But for the most part, these characters, although they have the, the same look to them can differ from episode to episode based off of their their occupation or their likes or their dislikes it it just depends on the episode at hand and what they need and for incidental 39 here uh he was given the name Lou in this episode but um Lou has appeared in many other episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants all through the history's run and has many different op occupations such as a food vendor, a diner cook, a baker, an ice cream salesman and a whoopee cushion truck driver. I mean as as random as that sounds that that is actually fact. Uh but Lou here is in this episode an employee of the Bargain Mart and we get an employee who, man, this really hits close to home. If you are someone who has worked with the public for any significant period of time, this little uh, joke here with Lou has got to hit you in the feels somewhere because on some regard, you got to feel like this where there's the day one version of you that started at that job and then there's the current day version of you. And, and there's no way you're the same person that you started out as day one. Even if you are in a better position, uh, than you were when you started. Either, either way, from experience, when, when you start a new job, your attitude is n going to be nowhere near where it is at any time after that. Even on your second day, you're going to have a different attitude than on your first. E even if it's more positive or more negative, it's it just it's the way it goes. And, uh, and I like this whole segment with Lou. He just has all of this, this five o'clock shadow, seemingly all this stubble. He has bags under his eyes. He looks like he is exhausted. And SpongeBob clearly is someone who exhausts him. But you know what? Lou is still extremely nice to SpongeBob here in this in this episode. And I don't know if people feel like Lou's demeanor or the the difference from his first day to currently is all because of SpongeBob SquarePants because look 
SpongeBob is in there for a short period of time. He's keeping track of this. He's keeping records. It's 19 seconds. Um, I I don't think you can pull all the blame for for Lou's current demeanor onto SpongeBob himself. He's working with the public. I am sure there are more fish that annoy Lou and Bikini Bottom than SpongeBob. There's there's just bound to be other issues. He is a worker of the public. It's going to happen. Uh, but he wants to get SpongeBob out of the store so quickly that when SpongeBob comes across the Build Your Own Party Kit, Lou pretty much offers him the kit completely for free as long as SpongeBob agrees to leave the store. Now, I don't know how much that party kit was, but I got to imagine it's it's at least, what, 20 bucks? Or whatever the equivalent is in Bikini Bottom money, but, you know, around that, like what, $20, $30 for, for a build-your-own-party kit for everything that it comes with. So for Lou to just give give away that to SpongeBob, that was pretty cool of him. Even though, you know, you might think he he's annoyed at the guy. I mean, still, he's a great employee. There's no reason that SpongeBob should ever have to go with any other cashier in his life than, than with Lou. You know, great customer service is what's going to bring people back to your store. Of course, the deals and the and the products themselves have to be good at the end of the day. But if the products are good and there's other options for people to get those products, then it's it's going to be down to the personality as to why they're going to come back to you. And and even though you might not think Lou has the greatest personality in this in this situation, I don't know the fact that he's willing to sign off on all SpongeBob's records, the fact that he gave him the free build your own party kit. You know what? There's a nice little good relationship there. I, I like that. And there's a reason that SpongeBob keeps coming to the, the bargain mart, other than the fact that they might be the one-stop shop in town. Now, SpongeBob is stoked to start building his own party, and the beginning of the Build Your Own Party kit starts out with invitations, of course, and it specifically says that you should keep the uh, guest list to a small amount of acquaintances to ensure a soiree success of a night. Now, of course, the immediate gag that we get is SpongeBob sending an invitation to his house party to a fish that he hasn't talked to, apparently, since kindergarten, which might be one of the funniest gags in this entire episode. The fact that we see the scene of the of the guy not remembering who SpongeBob was and then seeing the uh, the picture of their kindergarten class, we get to see a little a little tiny version of SpongeBob in his in his school uniform, you know, for their picture. This guy immediately wants to move away. The fact that SpongeBob knows his address and he even mentions to his wife that we have to move again, which I don't know if that means that that at some point earlier SpongeBob already found this guy's address and he, and he had to move. So the fact that he found him again, which I don't know, I, that can't be the case because then he couldn't remember who SpongeBob SquarePants was initially. So if this guy already moved previously because of SpongeBob, you'd think he'd he'd remember that name, like seeing that name come in the mail would instantly, you know, send him out in, a, in an anxious panic attack, but apparently not. But hey, uh, the fact that SpongeBob found him once is just apparently enough to make this guy want to up and move his entire life. And hey, good, you know, good for him, I guess. Um, now, SpongeBob's next uh, plan for this party is apparently making some clotted cream, which if if you're like me and you didn't really know what clotted cream was and you had to look it up, uh, in the U.S., clotted cream would technically classify as butter because of its wonderfully high fat content. And after finding that out, apparently clotted cream made in the traditional sense is illegal in the United States uh, if it's made with unpasteurized milk. 
Uh, the United States has very strict regulations for dairy and clotted cream that it is made with unpasteurized raw milk goes against those regulations. Uh, so that's pretty crazy. Hopefully SpongeBob was following the rules here, although he's not in the United States. Uh, Bikini Atoll is nowhere near the United States um, in, in the ocean. And if you don't know what Bikini Atoll is, that is the name of the island that rests above Bikini Bottom that we see at the beginning of every single SpongeBob episode. After SpongeBob is making his clotted cream, he is uh, now pulling a pinata for the party out of an oven, which is really weird. I don't know why he had the pinata in there. I tried looking up maybe if there was a traditional way to make pinatas by baking purposes if they weren't made by cardboard or paper, and uh, that just isn't the case. So a uh, traditional pinata obviously isn't made of a lighter material that you just kind of put together, and inside you pour candy. But for SpongeBob and his party, he is taking the advice of the Build Your Own Party Kit, which says to be creative when filling your pinatas. Now, in that regard, I am not so sure that everybody would come to the same conclusion as to, other than candy, what else you would insert inside of pinata. Now, for me, my first thought is, well, if not candy, then, you know, something toy-wise or at least some sort of packaged food, you know, like packages of Oreos, which I wouldn't count as candy, would be cookies. But for SpongeBob SquarePants, his idea of a, a customized, creative pinata is filling it up with deviled eggs. Now, I'm a fan of deviled eggs. I love deviled eggs. If I see them at a party, I, I basically have to hold myself back from having more than two. But... I don't want deviled eggs in a piñata. I don't know about you, but that doesn't seem appealing whatsoever to break open up a piñata and have deviled eggs falling to the ground, having to pick up, like, obviously the cream inside of the egg is going to fall out and get on the floor, and it's just going to be a mess. I mean, luckily that doesn't happen in this episode, but the fact that SpongeBob wants to fill his piñata with deviled eggs is just completely out there. It's just one of those weird things. You know, you're dealing with a sponge inside of a pineapple here. There's there's not much that needs to make sense, and that's completely okay because that's why we love SpongeBob SquarePants and, and his wacky ideas. Which, uh, speaking of wacky ideas, uh, one of the wackiest things I've ever heard of is somebody having such a specific uh, list of uh, party plans as SpongeBob would. He unleashes this plan onto Gary, which unrolls out into this ungodly-sized schedule. But from what we have an idea for, for SpongeBob's scheduled events here, at 8 o'clock to 8.05 is when he plans guests to arrive. He's giving people a five-minute window to arrive to his party. I, I This man has clearly never put together a party and is only putting it together with the help of a party kit. You can tell that because, my goodness, that's just not practical. I mean, when you're setting up a party, and you can take this advice from the Captain Eric Build Your Own Party Kit... There's going to be people who show up a little early. There's going to be people who show up within that first half-hour window. And yes, there are going to be those who show up as the fashionably late crowd, the after-like-half-hour, 45-minute start time, which all of those arrivals are completely fine because other people have lives. They will show up when they show up. And SpongeBob, it's a little weird for you to get so specific here in this in this first part of this schedule. But so for the first five minutes is when guests are to arrive. From 8:05 to 8:15, we have opening remarks and general discussion. So like a solid 10 minutes of just talking. Then from 8:15 to 8:27, we have the craft corner and name tag distribution. I I don't know why 
those two are together like that, you'd think the name tag distribution would be set during the guests arrive part or at least during the opening remarks. <laughs> the general opening remarks. That's got to be from SpongeBob himself. He's got to get everybody there and make this like big old announcement like welcome to this party. Like he thinks this is like a big event like this and it really isn't. Like the parties you just tell people to show up, you tell them where, you tell them when, you tell them how long it's going to be, if they need to bring anything and and you just let the party go on as it is. You, you can certainly have plans as to like bring things out, but to be this specific is just crazy. Uh from 827 there is going to be cracker eating slash a tongue twister contest. At 8.37, there is a read aloud from the newspaper comics. At 8.52, it is time to eat cake. At 9.03, there is scheduled laughter. Like There's just laughter for four minutes until 9.07, they're going to be playing charades. At 9.20, there is a finger puppet theater going on. And at 9.38, there is a charity apple bob happening at the party. At 9.57, it is the Electric Jitterbug Dance Marathon, Ladies' Choice. And three minutes later, at 10 o'clock, you are allowed to dance your pants off, but only for nine minutes. Because at at 10.09, it is time for knock-knock jokes. And that goes on until 10.41. Like, I just want to comedically think about this for a second. There's nine minutes of scheduled dancing. And then there is, like, 30 minutes of knock-knock jokes. And then from 1041 to 1047, Squidward is allowed to make light conversation with Mr. Krabs from, from that amount of time. Now, there's probably more than this because the, the list went on longer than what SpongeBob was able to tell us, but just giving you that general idea should let you know that how SpongeBob is for the rest of this episode. He has scheduled this party to a T and literally anybody who diverts off of that path is is pretty much on SpongeBob's crap list for this episode. <laughs> He's not happy with anybody not sticking to the scheduled events for this party, which, like I said, like you can't do that for a party. A party has to kind of be its own thing. It has to be organic. You just got to let it, let people have fun. They'll they'll have their conversations and it'll feel a lot less forced than with what SpongeBob is trying to do here. This is not a way to put up a successful party, let me tell you. That is that is yet another tip from the Captain Eric's Build Your Own Party Kit. Uh, do not make a schedule of events like SpongeBob. You, you can make a schedule, uh, like a seemingly loose schedule, but don't don't be like SpongeBob in this situation, especially when it comes to a house party like this. Now we get to check in on Patchy the Pirate and how his house party is going on, and it is dance time at Patchy's house, and he's actually going to teach everybody one of his favorite dances, the Peg Leg Dance of Happiness. He even pulls out this little mat that shows you all the moves. I, I feel like any dance that you would need a mat to learn for isn't a, a dance worth learning. I, I just got to be honest here. Hey, if you don't have access to a dance instructor and that is the easiest method for you, then absolutely. But uh, dancing, it's got to be about your body, not looking down, not looking at a mat. It can certainly help, but I don't know. I'm not about the uh, the peg leg dance of happiness here, mainly because I don't have a peg leg. Now, Patchy is doing this little bit here because he is promoting his his dance tapes. Apparently, Patchy has an entire line of dance tips that you can purchase right now for twenty nine ninety five. Just a nice little gag here for Patchy that I like. Like, in some ways, he is still a pirate. 
he's still got to try to take take your money and, and give you this these dance tapes like a man's got to live man's got to make his money but i like i just i love that bit about his character here now uh potty the parrot actually provided the the live entertainment that were showing up at their party here because it is still in fact dance time but for all of Patchy's guesses here, which I, I know he mentions them, but I, I, I want to say all of these names. These are all fictional bands from Patchy the Pirate that he was guessing that Potty had, uh, had brought to the party. Barnacle Bill and the Seven Seas is the first band, and it's a notable one that I'm bringing up because Barnacle Bill is in fact a nod to an original character that almost appeared in SpongeBob SquarePants, but then was in, eventually changed to Barnacle Boy. It's because if you've never heard of Barnacle Bill or what he is, he is a, a crotchety-looking old man who has his head coming out of a big old stump of wood and his arms and legs coming out of the stump of wood. He looks like a sailor that's that's been through the ringer or, you know, going off of the joke of having a peg leg but now having a peg body. And in the original drawings, Barnacle Bill was partnered alongside Mermaid Man um, and instead of being his sidekick, was simply an old man that he hung around with at Shady Shoals. They were friends and and were seen hanging out with one another. Now, the concept of Barnacle Bill didn't really last very long in the uh, in the original, you know, building of SpongeBob SquarePants. He was eventually changed, and we never got to see that design of that character uh, ever in the show. But Barnacle Bill did, in fact, appear in two of the SpongeBob comics. Uh, comics number 55 and comics number 56, The Ballad of Barnacle Bill. The character actually appeared in this regard, and it's it's one of my favorite moments like of SpongeBob's history. Just the fact that the comics eventually featured a character that never made it to the show itself. I, I think that is awesome. I would like to see Barnacle Bill eventually used in the show in some regard, even... Um, keeping up with the idea that he's like a Popeye kind of ripoff, like imagine SpongeBob watching another show on television called Barnacle Bill. I know it might be a little bit too close to Barnacle Boy, but we're not really using those characters that much these days. So I don't know. Adding Barnacle Bill as just a, a side little bit, even in one episode of the show, I think would be a fun idea here. But the fact that we get the name drop of Barnacle Bill is is actually really exciting uh, in this episode. Uh, we also uh, we get reference of a few other fictional bands that Apache uh, is, is, I guess, excited about as possibilities for playing at his party. But we get Barnacle Bill in the Seven Seas, Seaweed Sally and her Cackling Turtle, uh, The First Mates, Saltwater Sam and the Brine Brothers, and Rusty Hinges and the Boys from the Brig. And I absolutely love all of these nautical-based bands that they have here in this episode. I don't know which one is, is my favorite. I'm leaning towards Barnacle Bill, but I don't know. Rusty Hinges and the Boys from the Brig it might be one of the funnier ones for me. It, visually, when you see that, too, the fact that they had live-action pictures of these fictional bands is, is what really sets this joke from one level. Like, they could have just had the nautical bands being listed, and that's the joke, but they went that extra level of effort to actually put these little pictures together of these bands, and it just, it makes the whole the whole part of this episode. Uh, no, Potty did not get any of these nautical bands, but he did, in fact, book one of his favorite bands, The Bird Brains, to play at Patchy's party. Uh, now, The Bird Brains are portrayed by the real-life band, The Cramps, 
And even their lead singer, Lux Interior, has his entire, you know, his style attributed to this lead singer of the bird brain. So if you're a fan of the Cramps and you know of Lux, the second you see that bird, you should immediately know who's who's betraying this fictional band. Now, they do get to play a song later in the episode, but for now, Patchy is not having any more of these these parrot puppets in his house and pretty much shoes the bird brains outside of the door, doesn't want him, and the party is not too happy about it. Patchy seems to be the SpongeBob of his own party because he keeps kind of stopping the flow of things to introduce all of these unappealing elements to this party, and and the party pretty much is, is not having any of it at this point, but... Let's head back to SpongeBob's house party and see how that's turning out. I like how SpongeBob has his little bow tie on instead of his normal uh, work-attributed tie, his his actual necktie. The bow tie is a bit more of a party element. And uh, he has a, a pin the tail on the seahorse sign next to the door, but it, it says pin the tail on Horus. So I'm guessing Horus is a very specifically known seahorse that they uh, that they have this, this uh, you know, decoration to or this game about I think that's really funny I mean because it would have just been easy to write pin the tail on the seahorse but pin the tail on Horus definitely uh, averts your eyes of attention for a second now Spongebob is awaiting the arrival of his guests and even though he gave the arrival time a five minute window uh, after 20 seconds of nobody walking through that door he starts breaking down thinking that nobody must have received their invitations or that no one's coming to this party um it's it's a clear like gag here in this episode but what's not a gag is i have actually like known people who could act like this in those kind of situations maybe not 20 seconds after but certainly you know at the 2 or 3 minute mark of being late that's when the the kind of freaking out starts to happen but i mean at least that's not 20 seconds here but what's just as funny is the fact that apparently patrick feels the need to knock on SpongeBob's door. I mean, I know he's going to an official party, but I, he's beyond a first-name basis with SpongeBob. They're best friends. I mean, I have always felt comfortable walking into my best friend's house. I mean, I'll knock at certain occasions, but I don't know. It just felt like it was a, a little bit of a weird moment here for uh, for Patrick to knock. Um, I, I like that SpongeBob throws a very passive-aggressive remark here to Patrick that he's being fashionably late with being 20 seconds. I mean, he's he's not technically late at all although spongebob did give everybody a five minute window here to show up at his house although the passage of time might just be different it's a cartoon what's the funniest part about this entire patrick entrance is after patrick has come into the party and he's kind of settling down spongebob and patrick although they are best friends they've known each other pretty much their entire lives go into this you know level of small talk that you would find pretty much with people who are more acquaintances than anything else you know did you have any trouble finding the place how's the weather it it's so funny that spongebob is just being so awkward in this moment with his friend and and patrick seems unfazed by this he just seems like he's having a good time but now is the time where more and more guests are going to be showing up at this party and the guest list apparently contains 175 people now i don't know about you but that is a lot more people than I would ever want to be in my house at a single time. Not that I don't want to have 175 acquaintances or friends and family. That's just too many people in one home. I, I don't know why SpongeBob wanted to invite that many people or the fact that he had 175 people he can send out invitations to, but 
the the uh, this is just another gag off of the keep your guest list small. I mean, we saw that he was going as far as inviting somebody from his kindergarten class, but uh, the fact that it ended up being 175 is is absolutely crazy. What's even crazier is apparently that SpongeBob SquarePants, for as nice and optimistic as he is, felt the need to cut cables over at Squidward's house to guarantee his arrival at the party. SpongeBob went over to Squidward's and cut the cable. We don't see this happen, by the way, because the next guest to arrive after Patrick and then Mr. Krabs is Squidward, who shows up to this party and is only here because his cable is out. And we see in SpongeBob's back pocket uh, some cable cutters that he's slowly pushing down, and his response is is pretty like very nonchalant that he knows what's going on. Like, oh, your cable is out. That that's weird. And he's pushing down the cable cutters. So here's squeaky clean SpongeBob SquarePants sabotaging his neighbor's night to guarantee his arrival at this party. Which, I mean, look, I I know you might not like the guy, but it's it's probably free food, free drinks. There's going to be some people there that you might want to conversate with. I think it's a good reason for Squidward to show up. I, I like Even if he had cable access that night, I think it still would have been beneficial for him to have showed up to this party. One of the first things he does at this party is walks over to Mr. Krabs, and they, they engage in like the lightest amount of small talk. And it's very clear that this is written in a way of like work friends coming together outside of work and and usually when you're at work with work friends and you're in that space you you craft the conversations you're having at that moment in time but then sometimes when you're outside of work there's just some friendships that that don't work as well or conversations you're out of your element and I don't know the way that they come across here is kind of awkward but uh, SpongeBob doesn't want Squidward and, and Mr. Krabs talking yet because that's not scheduled till later on in the party but he can make an exception if they feel like they want to be conversational, and instead of talking with Mr. Krabs, SpongeBob decides to pair up Squidward with Incidental Number 38, better known as Scooter. This is, in fact, the debut episode for Scooter's name. We find out his name pretty much right then and there, and it came as a shock the first time I heard it. It was like, oh, wow, that character's name is Scooter. He was also known as The Dude in a few uh, other moments behind the scenes and whatnot. And if you're not familiar just hearing the name Scooter, well, who is that Incidental 38, the dude? He is the surfer fish that is well-known in Bikini Bottom, mainly used in the original few seasons of SpongeBob SquarePants. He still appears in the backgrounds of many other episodes up to this day, but uh, unfortunately his role as uh, as a character has certainly been reduced over time. He went from having a lot of moments in these very early seasons being named here in the third season to eventually just kind of going back to a full background character, not even having those, those like one-off surfer dude moments. He's not really used that much these days. Although his design has been used more than the character of Scooter himself, the design was reused for a future episode from season nine, the executive treatment in which he was renamed Marv for this episode. But Then we go to the SpongeBob SquarePants YouTube channel where one of the series they have, Bikini Bottom Mysteries, pretty much alludes to both Scooter and Marv being the same person. Even though they act like completely different characters, there's a difference between Scooter and Marv, even though they share the exact same design, although Marv is in a suit. Uh, But back to Scooter here, I think it's just a wonderful little 
you know, name introduction for this character. It comes out of nowhere, and and I absolutely love it. I love Scooter as a character. Although there there is rumors as to his current status in Bikini Bottom, because as alluded to in that Bikini Bottom Mysteries episode on the SpongeBob SquarePants YouTube channel, um, Scooter died back in the Bubble Buddy episode when Bubble Buddy failed to save him from the high tide after burying himself, uh, you know, from his neck down in the sand. We we get to see Scooter's apparition in that episode, and although you know cartoon rules, he can you know come back to living. It's it's just interesting that this episode follows that and and kind of puts a wrench in their whole idea of Scooter just being a ghost because he in fact has a pretty substantial conversation with Squidward here or as much of a substantial conversation you could get out of Squidward. SpongeBob has these cue cards that have like these little they're they're questions that are designed to obviously have a a talk about it a discussion but Squidward ain't having none of it. He's just pretty much walking away. I don't know if he really wants to conversate with anybody else at this party uh, other than Mr. Krabs, but it's certainly not going to be Scooter for this night. This is lame. These conversation cards uh, actually get a, a little bit more of a gag as we go through various other characters trying to use them in conversation. Patrick's just says nod politely. Like, it doesn't even say a question or anything for him to bring up in conversation. Uh, but we also get to see that Plankton himself was invited to SpongeBob's house party because while trying to engage in conversation with Mr. Krabs, tries to discuss the Krabby Patty secret formula, as it says on his conversation card, which it really doesn't. Mr. Krabs doesn't fall for it, but I like that they were able to fit in a little Plankton joke in this 22-minute episode. There is a, a bit of a visual gag in this episode you might miss, but during the coat rack scene, as SpongeBob is bringing somebody's coat rack over to Gary, who seems to be handling all of the coats for this party. You can see a tip jar in the background that is absolutely packed to the gills with dollar bills. So uh, I like that Gary is putting in some work, but actually getting paid for his efforts. Uh, I, how could you not tip the snail picking up your jackets and keeping a, a track of them? Uh, now, SpongeBob admits that everybody is here at the party. I don't see 175 people at this party, but you know who I do see? It is, in fact... The kindergarten fish from earlier in the episode who wanted to move when SpongeBob invited him to his house party. If you notice in the background during the sweeping shot after SpongeBob leaves the coat rack, you can in fact see that exact fish in the background having a seemingly good time as everyone else is. Patrick is seen uh, having a fun time dancing, and, and Patrick does a lot of dancing in this episode. He's actually pretty good at it, I gotta give him credit. It's really shocking that he had not received an award yet for his dancing because Patrick is is extremely good at his dancing in this episode. So he, he should receive an award, if not just for the laziest person in Bikini Bottom, for, for at least the best dancing starfish that I can think of. Um, we, we can see a lot of the main characters in this kind of like shot going across the party. We see Larry the Lobster. We see Sandy has arrived. We see Mrs. Puff has showed up to the party. And, of course, it is now time for the most important part of the party to happen, reading aloud from the newspaper comics. This is just, this is classic, like, what Spongebob thinks is fun, and then what might not be fun for others. This is kind of one of those read-the-room moments for Spongebob, but uh, yeah, he literally forces everybody to sit down as he's just going to read panel by panel of the newspaper comics, but... Uh, you know what? He can't actually do that. He can't read these. And everybody actually cheers for that. But the joke here is that the newspaper that SpongeBob is holding is, in fact, yesterday's issue. 
And of course, SpongeBob can't read yesterday's comics. He's got to read today's comics. It's it's the only thing that makes sense. So he goes outside to get today's newspaper and classically gets locked out of his house while the rest of the party goes on without him. Now, this is a big dilemma for SpongeBob because we've already seen how much of a schedule freak he is up to this point in the episode. And now he is forced to watch along as the party just goes off the rails, off the schedule, the planned party as he wanted is not happening. And he is stuck outside looking in, watching everybody like wreck all of his plans. And he is not seeing the fun that they're having. He's not noticing the smiles on their faces. He's just seeing the things that they're doing are not the things that he had planned for people. And I'm sure one of the plans he wasn't expecting to happen was a conversation between Mrs. Puff and Patrick, which included Patrick asking Mrs. Puff if she comes here often, kind of a play on something you might, like small talk you might make with somebody you're interested in, if it was a bar or a restaurant, you know, just kind of an icebreaker. Hey, you come here often? But it's SpongeBob's house. Like it's it's just Patrick's whole attitude throughout this party. Like the second he arrives, Patrick is in party mode and I'm all about it. I love that Patrick has the time of his life in this episode. He he actually like gets to gets to have that that party that you thought he came home to and rockabye by valve, but like you know, with the whole lampshade look on him, but he actually gets to have that party in this episode. SpongeBob can hear somebody rummaging in his bathroom. And it is by far one of my favorite jokes in this entire show, maybe the entire series. I don't think it would make top five, but it's it's a top ten joke for me is Larry the Lobster looking at himself in the mirror, talking himself up a big game and saying, oh, you look good enough to eat. And then when you actually see the mirror, it is a it is a cooked lobster on a plate that he's looking at. And it's just his comments as he's looking at that lobster like he's like, mm, oh, baby, like. It just makes me die laughing. I just I was almost in tears laughing at this time of the episode. I don't know why I like forgot about that moment. I I remembered it when I saw it, but just for some reason this time around that joke was I, I was not expecting it. It was just like it was like an uppercut out of nowhere of comedy. We get another window is not really a window visual gag in this episode, and it, it's a well that I don't mind they keep going back to because visually it's just always funny to see the ways that they can like mess with these windows. I had just talked about in a previous episode of the show not too long ago about a window with the Krusty Krab just kind of falling off of the wall, and even though it's a window, it like breaks as if it was a painting. It like falls off the walls as if it was a painting, and in this episode, the window of SpongeBob's house is turned as if it was a painting on the wall. And SpongeBob even claims to himself, like, I don't even know how that happened. Now, inside, the party has ramped up the dancing to include the bunny hop, a, uh, a like a conga line where everybody is hopping forward. This is the last straw for SpongeBob. We get to see SpongeBob at a level of anger that, that we have not really seen thus far in the show, but he is not a happy camper because out of all of the scheduled events that SpongeBob had planned. It seems like leading the bunny hop in his little bunny costume was going to be a highlight for him because he is not happy about about being left out and is now going to break into his home using a pickaxe in a bunny costume that we see him in here and the police catch SpongeBob trying to break into his home. Now, SpongeBob is arrested here and it is in fact the second time we've seen SpongeBob officially arrested. But what else is really funny about this 
is this is the second time that I can think of a Nickelodeon character getting locked out of a party and then getting arrested trying to break back into said party. The first of which, and like any time I've seen this episode, this whole sequence of SpongeBob getting arrested by the cops in costume reminds me 100% of the season two episode of the Rugrats Party Animals in which uh, Stu Pickles at a uh, costume party at his brother's house gets locked out as uh, as Tarzan and tries to break back into the home only to get arrested by the police. And it, it just, the fact that both of these situations happen to SpongeBob and Stu Pickles, like, in almost very similar ways, they're in costume, broken out of a house, the cops show up at the wrong time, looking at him like, why are you breaking into that home? And then, boom, arrested. Like, the fact that this has happened twice on this network is is just hilarious to me. I don't know if it is a bit of a homage to that or if they even brought it up in the writing of this episode. Like, hey, you know, this kind of similar situation happened to Stu Pickles a couple years ago. But, man, those those Nicktoons characters, they can't just stay out of the, the jail cells here. Now, I mentioned uh, in the Brockabye Bivalve episode the the whole cliche on leaving a party and having a lampshade on your head as, as a significant sign that it was a, a rager of a party. Uh, now, Patrick doesn't have the lampshade on his head in this episode. SpongeBob does arrive home after a night in the slammer, coming back to his house, thinking the party was just an absolute disaster. When he comes across Patrick, who definitely stayed overnight, to tell SpongeBob that that was pretty much the greatest party he had ever been to and that everybody had an absolutely wonderful time, which puts this really adorable smile on SpongeBob's face. He's really happy at hearing that everybody had a good time because ultimately that's what he wants. He doesn't want anybody to leave this party having a, a bad time, but I did bring up the, the lampshade for a reason. We do come across Gary as SpongeBob is kind of walking around his his like after-party house and we see that Gary is wearing the lampshade on his head, the the sign that he had a good time at the party. And even SpongeBob recognizes this as uh, as he sees the lampshade here. Like, oh, you must have had a good time. I'm I'm telling you, everybody, if you if you have a great time at a party, you just got to find a lampshade and put it on your head. It, it's the telltale sign that you had a good time. And before we end today's episode, we actually have to head back to Patchy's house to see how the rest of his party is turning out. Now, Patchy has decided to take on the role of live entertainment for himself. He is going to be the live entertainment. He doesn't need the bird brains. He doesn't need any of those other bands. He can do this as a one-man band. And Patchy is actually, like, set up as you would any other one-man band with, like, with an accordion, a drum on his back, uh, different instruments on the straps of that drum, and he is singing one of the worst sea shanties I've ever heard in my life. At this moment, Patchy is introduced to the flute solo, which is actually a very cartoonishly looking dynamite stick that sends Patchy flying out of the house. And it is time for our Bird Brains performance, a song by the Crams called Underwater Sun. It's actually one of my favorite SpongeBob SquarePants songs. And, and this entire sequence, the way it was animated, the way it was made, it's almost like a celebration of SpongeBob SquarePants as a whole. It's a nice way to end this half hour special. It, it's a nice bow 
on the end of this on this big event of SpongeBob's, and it's a legitimately good song. It's got a catchy tune. The lyrics are good, and and I gotta say, it's it's just it's one of those SpongeBob songs that outside of the show is worth adding into your playlist. Um, yes, it's got a lot of SpongeBob references in it, but it's catchy. The music video is absolutely gorgeous. And it is, in fact, directed uh, by uh, Walt Dorn, as mentioned earlier. Now, this is Walt Dorn's final work on SpongeBob SquarePants. And and that means this is pretty much our final time bringing up Walt, unless uh, I ever dedicate an episode specifically to him or if I ever can get an interview with him. But I, I just have to say, for his short period of time on this show, the episodes that he had a hand in writing are some of my absolute favorite episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, I'm not joking about this. I'm not being David Spade about this whatsoever. Walt Dorn has written, directed some of my favorite episodes of any animated show in history because once I say it's a favorite of mine of SpongeBob SquarePants, that puts it above higher than any other animated shows. So um, I, I can do nothing here but thank Walt for his work, thank Walt for the time that he spent on that show. It was short, but it was gosh darn memorable. And I can't thank him enough for that because he has helped bring moments to my life that I will have to the day I die. And and that's special. Now, it's not just because of Walt. I, I of course, owe a tremendous amount of thanks to so many other people on this show and, and the writers of those episodes that I love. But I imagine, I imagine he had to have had a hand in jokes or moments that I adore. So, Walt, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for the contributions you have made to SpongeBob SquarePants. Your work has a lasting impact, and I hope that you are able to find other creative avenues to explore in your life because the work of Walt Dorn is work worth paying attention to. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to end this episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. As always, my name is Captain Eric. If you are a fan of any of the work that I put out, please think about subscribing to my YouTube channel. That is always in the description of the podcast, or if you're listening to this on YouTube, you can easily just scroll down and click on that subscribe button. I'm not going to harass you about the bells. You, you decide if you want to get notified when Captain Eric decides to upload a new episode. But as always, if you can find any way to support this show by any means, subscribing, following, liking, sharing, all of that is always appreciated by Captain Eric, and I love each and every one of you. Please stay safe out there. For those of my friends in Ukraine, I hope you are staying safe over there in that part of the world, and, and truly, it means the world to me that, that so many of you follow this show, follow my work, and I appreciate each and every one of you from the Ready crew, from previous members to members currently on to the future members that may join. And with that, my friends, that is this week's episode. Thank you so much. Please stay safe. We'll see you next time. Larry, my man, you are looking good enough to eat. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, baby. I'm ready.